Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Charlie just decided it was time to play the open. I, I that thought, is the open. I you did, got th- it. I did think we made eye contact. It's all right. I thought we were it's doing right. it. It's very exciting. Jeff Kolb is here. Jeff, you've had quite an experience here at CCO Radio so far. I have. Uh, we were stuck in... Uh, in the hallway, in the stairwell. In the stairwell, yeah. I'd call it the stairwell. I think that's accurate. We were stuck in the stairwell together because I did not know the code to get in to the second floor. Yep, that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, it was sh- exciting. we shared a tender moment, but we, yeah. we, we escaped and we're here. And you came in like just in the nick of time. I, I probably shouldn't have said anything. You, you no one of, at home would have You almost know. slid in. I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a quick, it, it was, was a quick, no, uh, it was impressive. Thank you. My dexterity is something I think I don't get enough credit for. Right. So I appreciate you noticing that. Uh, Jeff Kolb is a former city council member in Crystal, which is sometimes used as a pejorative. It is. Uh, which is strange. Uh, I sure as hell would not want to be on a city council member. Uh, Jeff White. Why, why Why? do you think I asked you to be here on a segment that is uh, usually interviewing uh, maybe more conventional members of what people would think of as the media? Because you are very open-minded. Hmm. Because you have and, – and actually, so I, if, if, if you don't know me from my online presence, I, I, I don't – I'm not particularly serious. I don't take myself particularly serious or anything particularly serious, but – I will say seriously. I, I, I will you give you say seriously. Okay, thank you. Seriously, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Gr- correcting my grammar, um, but I will give you a, a serious compliment. I do think that of the members of the, and I think you probably are the media or not, for sure not the media, right? But I mean, right. you're, you're definitely I'm a, in the a member of the media, conventional right? bucket, right? And I think of of the members of the media. I think you do have a very open mind to what the media is and. Yeah, and also yeah. you've been running this segment for a long time, and sometimes you, get, you have to get to the bottom of the barrel at some point. Getting thin. Yeah. Getting thin. Jeff Kolb has co-hosted The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, which is a podcast with Michael Broadcorp and Becky Schur. Uh, takes on politics from uh, – uh, is it fair to say it's it's from – it's difficult to know if I can say Republican or right wing because it's so confusing what that party is today. I think, but it's a more convinc- conventional. I would call it center right. I think that's right. a fair center right. I mean, Michael was the deputy chair of the Republican Party at one point, and Becky was the um, was the executive director of the Republican Party. You know, at one point, so where they consider themselves now, I, 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 that's probably complicated, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people are going through in terms of where they where they fit politically. Do you consider a you know a political podcast as part of the media? I do. Yeah, I, I have a very expansive I do too. view of what 
what the media is. I mean, I, and I, I, I'm not being glib when I say we are all the media. Um, I, I think, you know, when the line between who is the media and who's not the media, if you look at a really great example of that is, is the George Floyd situation, right? We saw a video from that, from somebody who was a bystander who was standing there and took that video and distributed that video. Um, were they a member of the media at that point? I would argue they were because they were citizen reporting. I mean, there, yeah. there is, there's only one first amendment that you, you don't have to get, you don't get access to special parts of the first amendment because you have a, a laminated badge that says press. Right. And so I, the line is very, the line is, is, it's unclear, I think, you know, who it is, is unclear. who is the media. Yeah. But I agree in that. I actually think Darnella Frazier, who took that bystander video, uh, Deserved a, a Pulitzer. Right. I, I mean, it, and that act of journalism changed our understanding of what happened there and arguably uh, changed the political course of this country for the, uh, you know, since since that moment. Right. Uh, the other example, the other good example, the the uh, the miracle on the Hudson was kind of the moment mm. that made Twitter back in the day. Yeah. Right. When you had people who yeah. were there and said, and, you know, there, there's a plane landing in the river and, you know, that. That, um, but the ability for people to, to when when you have the way you have social media today gives everybody the opportunity with a with a social media account and a cell phone, you you are the media and you, and people should think about it that way, and that's why I, I very much struggled when there were in the in the riots following the George Floyd situation when they there were curfews that then had exceptions carved out for that said for members of the media, mm. which was very problematic. And I think nobody challenged that, but where do you draw the line between somebody who is, you know, on the street, walking around video, you know, taking video of what's going on and they may have a personal feeling about what's going on either way, but how do you say you're the media and you're not when you're right. both doing the same activity, which is you're standing in the same place and you're both taking video? We have to figure out a way to divide that, though, don't we? Because uh, in those emergency-type situations, because otherwise, uh, what's stopping a kind of one of these political trackers, right? Who follows around, you know, you work for the DFL and you follow around a Republican candidate. Are you the media? Sort of. You're sort of doing this uh, in a similar way. Right. But but I guess I And then every news conference has a thousand people in it or whatever. And how do you know you run into some practical limits? So I think I think I guess the question is, why do we need to why do we need to draw a distinction, though? Because. I, I think at, uh, something that you've seen a lot of, and we can argue about whether it's good or bad, but you've seen this huge break breaking up of, of the sources. I mean, you go back in the day and there were a few radio yeah. stations and a few TV yeah. stations, right? And now everyone can get their news from anywhere. And you could say that that's either a good thing or a bad thing, and we could have arguments about whether it's, it's a good thing or a bad I thing. It's, but yeah. to letting people decide, you know, if I get... If I see video from a DFL tracker, as long as that video is not altered in any way, you know, as long as it's real video, then that's a valid source of the news. But if everyone's the media, then you then you 
it's essentially it's a, about a practical. Do you have enough room in a space? Sure. Do you have you know it's that. But you're not going to get. I mean, I think it's it's interesting though. You've seen a, a few. Um, like I had to get to work right at <laughs> three in the morning, and I was concerned uh, that you know after the, the riots were happening that I I wouldn't be able to to get to work. You've seen some interesting things in in like specifically in Hennepin County with uh, Mary Moriarty holding press conferences and then uh, claiming that it's hijacked by, you know, <laughs> members of the family or members yeah. of, you know. And I guess I think enforcing decorum, I think, is not a problem, right? So, I mean, no, you don't have the right to interrupt somebody's press conference in a, in a way or you don't have the yeah. you don't have the right to take the podium from somebody. But should members of the family who are concerned be able to stand at a press conference by a public official? I think For so. For sure, yeah. So, yeah. so where, yeah, do you it's start, interesting. where do you start drawing the lines? So I, I, it's, you know. it's a fun topic to talk about because the reality is everyone, because of social media, has the ability to uh, document what they see and report it. Right. Uh, so, so does that distinction make sense? I don't know. I do think there is a difference between people who are doing it for a living and people who are are using that tool just to get whatever they're whatever they're trying to get at that moment. Sure. But generally, I agree with you that it, like having more access to regular yes, people is better. Yes, but you know, um, you look at you look at people who do strictly opinion journalism who have shows on TV. Uh, there's not again. We all get we all get the same First Amendment. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't get true. an equal you don't get an equal opportunity to an audience, right? I mean, that's right. No, nothing says that I have to listen to you, but you do have the right to say what you're going to say, and you know. Yeah. So why is my opinion? Why, especially a, you look at a, a platform that's democratized, like like a like Twitter or any social right. media site, right? Why is my tweet more important than your tweet, or yeah. vice versa? Right. And, and and it's the audience gets to decide how much value they're going to put on that. Jeff Kolb is with us on Twitter. You can follow him at JPKOLB. The podcast that he's uh, stepped in and hosted from time to time is The Breakdown with Brad Corbin Becky. And he broke some news with an interview with Scott Jensen. Uh, We'll play that for you and then talk a little bit about uh, some of the developments in the election, things we're watching right now, things uh, that are of interest to Jeff. We believe that anybody can be the media if you want to do the work. That's my general belief. If you want to show up at a press conference or you want to apply for credentials, uh, the bias should be in favor of granting those credentials. Yeah, I agree. I think it's better. I'm an opinion. I don't even know what I am now. What am I? Who, who's to say? Hey, you're a radio host. That's right. We're sitting here. We're on the. We're, we got is this on the air? I think how it many is. thousands of watts or something? I believe we have fifty thousand. Fifty thousand watts. Yeah, we'll, coming out to you. We'll have more of it in just a minute here on Drive Time with Teresha. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
424, Jeff Kolb is our guest. He was a city council member, uh, but he's uh, in, in Crystal, in his suburb of Crystal, and he's gained an audience by tweeting about politics and also uh, guesting as a co-host on a podcast, The Breakdown with Broadcorp, Michael Broadcorp, who's been on this show before, and Becky Schur. Uh, let's play a clip of you uh, talking to former uh, governor candidate, Scott Jensen, sort of uh, a little bit of an autopsy after the campaign. Thank you for not saying gubernatorial. I know, just such a stupid word. Yeah, I, I avoid it. The goober part of it is yeah, apropos. You don't want that. But no. Here's a clip from The Breakdown. So how about that? Like he went on to talk about sort of his failings. It was very – and you ended up breaking news as he talked also about abortion right. and his approach on that issue. It, it was – that was a totally bizarre experience for I think everybody involved. So we um, we have a, a little studio. There, the, the, there's a little – it's like a conference room somewhere, right? It's not anything luxurious like this room that we're in here. Right. But um, – and we were in on the weekend, and there was no HVAC, which nobody knew. And so the, it was about 110 degrees in the little room, um, and so we could start there. And then, you know, we, Michael and I, were both very harsh uh, on Scott Jensen during the campaign. And... um so we were kind of ready. We were sort of loaded, and we had this kind of idea how we expected the interview to go. And then he came in, and we started asking him questions. And uh, quickly, all of the prep that we had done um, became useless because we were going to challenge him on some things, and he instead kind of fell on the sword. And that was so. That was a really interesting, you know, as somebody who does this uh, as a this podcasting thing again. I'm I'm the fill-in host, right? So I don't uh, I don't think. Um, Michael or Becky would consider themselves professionals at this point either. You know, they've been doing it for about a year, but they're, um, but we were all, all kind of scrambling going, okay, so now we had a plan. We had an outline, mm-hmm. you know, we, we met beforehand and sort of outlined where we were, we were going to go and how we were going to divide things. And then he sort of threw a hand grenade in the middle of the interview by saying, yep, you're right. I screwed up. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay. Whoa. Right. Um, it was a great, I mean, it was a really, really interesting interview because you don't get a lot of that from politicians. You don't get a lot of that. They generally do not admit mistake under any circumstances. And so to hear Jensen was, he was very reflective on on what, what happened. And he had, we could tell he had thought a lot about it. And one of the things, you know, you're, you're in radio, so you get it. We, you miss the body language and you miss the facial expressions and those kind of things. And so you could tell, so we got we got a ton of feedback after that episode, and it was really kind of funny. Everything from how dare you talk to him to, you know, he was lying to what a great – you know, I mean, it was all yeah. over the board. But the one thing that was interesting is that in the room, it was very, very clear how authentic he was. And I guess that didn't come through in the audio quite as well because some people were questioning his sincerity. And I had to say, you know, no, we, we, you missed that element of it. Um, when you didn't get to see uh, the body yeah. language and the facial expressions, right. but I could, but he you could absolutely, feel it. Yeah, the, every, he was absolutely being authentic because we would have called it out if he wasn't. So well, the the one thing he said that I thought was so fascinating and to me is useful thinking about as we go forward into another presidential campaign season. He was addicted to 
the love and the applause right. and the praise he would get. Yes. And so much like people sometimes think like, oh, I'm in the media and people hand down like the marching orders. No, it's like people sort of self-direct themselves, uh, especially when there's a groupthink scenario going on. Well, and, and you and intrinsically, we know that about politicians, right? You, If you watch enough of politics, oh. you know that they chase you want the love. You and, want and, the and, adoration. And you watch during the primary. You you swing, you know, to the right or to the left, and then you try to tack toward the middle again. And and, and you know that that was the first time I had heard hmm. a candidate just come right out just and say it. it. Yeah, and yeah. just say it and say, yeah, that's what I did. Of course, that's what I did. Right. I had an ego, and I was chasing, and I was chasing, and you kind of go, okay, well, I mean, I get that. Yeah, and then so then you want to be mad at the guy, and then he's like, yeah, that's what I did, and you kind of go, oh. <laughs> Right. Well, well, now what do I say? Yeah. Well, I wanted to yell at you about it, right. but now I can't. So, um, and then he was on. He was on another time, and we um, we've talked about having him come back on again because it was just it was a great conversation, and I think he's a he's an interesting person. I think to so too, about. but I worry that the way that people consume information from politicians punishes a nuanced, thoughtful person. It absolutely does. It. 100% does. There's no room for nuance. Uh, there just, there isn't. It's sound bites. And, you know, we had, we had talked, we exchanged a couple of messages yeah. on, on Twitter about um, one of the, a different episode that Michael and Becky did where they had Don Samuels on and he had a lot of substantive criticism of, of Ilhan Omar. And the takeaway was whatever line he said that was dumb. Again, and I, I'm not yeah. just saying that it wasn't dumb, but he called her you're not pretty enough to right. have that attitude right. or whatever it was that he said. And that was what got the, the media coverage, right? And so right. there was no, there was no, it was 60 minutes of nuanced or substantive conversation and one throwaway line and all of the, all of the buzz, everything that got excerpted out into the newsletters the next morning and everything that, that, you know, and then what Omar finally responded to was that, that one line again in, in 60 minutes of audio. So, um, and I know I know that, and everybody knows that, but that doesn't mean that I have to like it. It's still, it still stinks. Yeah, because I mean, you know, okay, so there were fifty nine and a half minutes of great content and thirty seconds of a gaff, and all we want to talk about is the gaff. And again, I I, I don't, I like I'm not new. Like this is not my first. It is day, reality, right? but <laughs> that we is can, what it is. We can also be annoyed that that's yeah, how but it I is. can, but I can say, you know, you guys did a great interview, and that's what that was the takeaway. That's that that's annoying. So. Uh, today, I've got Governor Tim Walls on. Yeah, which I'm using to say that I was on the radio with Tim Walls, it, which I think is fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. If if you could ask him one question, what would you ask him? Oh, boy. Uh, I would ask him if he has any regrets about his actions during the COVID emergency. Mm. Um, because I I have a... I was a big Tim Waltz fan in the very early days of the COVID of the COVID situation, and I was very vocal about that. I thought he was doing a really great job, and then he lost me at a certain point, and then, and then I and then it felt like it just everybody got dug in on the politics side yeah. of things, and so that I think, um, you know, I, I, not to get you in trouble with your guest that's going to be on. I think Waltz struggles with authenticity. And he tends to have a lot of different opinions on things depending on who he's talking to or what the point in time is. And I don't think he spends a lot of time explaining that. Um, 
again, that's not unique, right? Nobody does. Nobody does. Right. Everybody. It's it's like we Tom Emmer is a master at that. When he's yeah. on with me, he sounds like the most moderate, thoughtful politician in the world. And then I hear him on the Patriot, right? And, and it's, it's a different flamethrowing right. Tom. Yeah, and and that's that's how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's and I again, I, I can say it sucks, but. Whose fault is it? Is it us that we eat it up? I, man, I think everybody owns that, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, we, you know, one of the things um, you had asked me before we came on, if there were any episodes that I wanted to touch on, one of my favorite episodes was a guest that uh, I had on, and then Becky and I had on, and then you also had on this, a woman, Colleen Kelly. She used to work for the Star Tribune. Her daughter was um, hit by a car. She had been. Um, she's dealing with a lot of that. And she was the one who said, you know, if you want to commit murder, do it in a car. Yeah. And, that, and that and that was a really, really tough interview to do. It's also the one that probably did the, the lowest numbers of the episodes that mm-hmm. I was involved with yeah. because people don't want to listen to downer, serious stuff. And I, I know you had a segment yeah. the other day where you were kind of feeling down about the, the stuff that you, you know, it was like – this bad news, there's just bad right. news after bad news after bad news. I'll admit it, I I skipped over that awful story in St. Paul. I didn't have the headspace to deal with somebody else's tragedy. And so I just, I knew it was there. I read right. the headlines and I'm like, I, I just can't click into it. So I get it. You don't want to listen to an hour of somebody else's tragedy, but sometimes it's important to make yourself do that, you know, and listen to understand kind of what's going on in the world. So it's tough yeah. to talk about substantive things and it's it's no fun. You could do a great show about tragedy and how to avoid it and whatever and then nobody would listen to it and then then you haven't done anything. Right. And so what have you really accomplished? So I think you have to balance that and um so I I don't know it's a it's a it's tough because you have to give the audience what they want but you also have to steer the audience a bit right to get you can't just serve up candy. Right. It, 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 you gotta. Well, you can, but then you'd be then yeah. you'd be, um, you know, I, there, there's a place for that. There's a place right? for that. Yeah, yep. on a on we're a, a news talk, right? right? On, a, on an FM morning yeah. show. Yep. Right. Just have you, some fun. you are serving up candy, and that's fine, and that's that's sure. what people are expecting. Yeah. But I wouldn't expect you to. You have to. You have to balance candy and plus <laughs> reality. You know, and that's. Uh, it, I'm sure it's a tough act to do yeah. on, a, on an ongoing basis you know yeah we we think about it always we could keep talking forever but this isn't a podcast i gotta run some yeah that is one nice thing we don't have we any have time traffic it, so. we have weather uh this was really fun go check out the podcast uh and follow jeff on twitter give your twitter handle again uh jpkolb all right follow jeff we appreciate it jeff thank you so much come back it. this was really good i'd love to 435, uh, Paul's coming up with a look at the snow and the big cool down in a minute here on CCF. Four forty-two. Glad to have you with us here on Drive Time with DeRussia. The governor, Tim Walls, will join us just after five. So right after Susie does the news, he'll talk about uh some new information on the uh Universal school lunch program. I've called it the free school lunch program. Some of you will call it the uh, taxpayer-funded student lunch program. So all of that. Uh, And other topics, if you have things on your mind, one question you would ask Governor Tim Walls, fire away on the text line, 651-461-3776.
888-900-9226. Lots of breaking news in the sports world over the last couple hours. Charlie, you were monitoring uh, really a big college football retirement that just broke. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, this week is Black Monday in, in coaching circles, both college and NFL. And the uh, the legendary head coach of Alabama, the football team, Nick Saban, has apparently uh, reportedly announced he's retiring. He is going to uh, go off into the sunset. I think he's like 73 or so. So he's, right. been, he's been doing this for a long time. Brought them, I believe, six national championships for Alabama. It's been a lot. He has been... Phenomenal, phenomenal for the Alabama Crimson. 16 Tide. years at Alabama. Kind of bopped around before that. Yep. Um, tough day for guys in their 70s. Pete Carroll up in uh, Seattle. Right. Yep. You wonder, I mean, honestly, if you're 70, what are you doing? And like do the, the demands of being a college football coach or an NFL football coach. Why? Why? Not even that, but you're 70. Nick Saban was making $8 million a year? More? I mean, he he just bought— I think he was making $12 million and, a year. And I believe he just bought a ton of car dealerships in Florida for like half a billion dollars. Why He's not? been making an insane amount of money for many years. He's in his 70s. I— other than you thinking it's what's keeping you alive, I just can't. Yeah. I do think, like, if you still have it, if you still have it, and, you know, I mean, Nick Saban's career, amazing, 17 seasons. He had two undefeated teams, 2009 and 2020. Yep. Uh, more than half of the years he's been in Tuscaloosa, he won the conference title. I mean, it's pretty crazy. 44 first-round draft picks. Oh, it's in, yeah, uh, bar none. I mean, you have to argue that he's the greatest college football coach of all time. I think so. Right? I mean, you can make some arguments elsewhere, you know, Bear Bryant and some of the, you know, old, old coaches. But right. definitely since, what, the 70s he's the greatest coach, without a doubt? Not even close, Not right? even close. So, yeah, he owns a car dealership group with, uh, the former CEO of Mercedes-Benz, $700 million worth of dealership. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Might as well. So pretty crazy, um, all of those changes. Chris Christie is speaking right now live in New Hampshire. He is out. You know, I like that Chris Christie was willing to directly take on Donald Trump. Most of the other Republican candidates are sort of, you know, one sort of on one ring, one knee. Yeah. Like not quite, you know, they don't want to make the Trump supporters mad. Well, because it's all politicking, right? If if Trump isn't able to run for one reason or another, political, legal age, whatever it may be, if he ends up not running, they don't want to burn those bridges. And Chris Christie said, screw it. And maybe he said, screw it, because he knew he was going to be out in, uh, what is it, January 10th. Yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. So Donald Trump, obviously, you know, if Donald Trump wins in Iowa and wins in New Hampshire, it's over, right? It's over. It's been over. You think it's over already? 
unless, I, I unless there's something outside that happens, either yeah. legally, yeah. something politically. I can't imagine anything happening politically, legally, or age. I mean, Donald Trump's an old man still, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so th- there are things that can happen outside, but no, I, I think it's been over. What I wonder, and I think New Hampshire is the question, because just because Donald Trump is polling well, we've seen the limitation of polls. We know that things can change. We know that New Hampshire likes to sort of go a different way from how Iowa goes. And so I think it does remain to be seen if these poll numbers will actually translate to people coming out and voting. Donald Trump is 77. Um, You know, I, I like to look forward, not back. And Donald Trump has made it very clear that his plan, if elected, is to look back, to settle some scores. And is that really what, as America, we want to do for the next couple months? Like, yeah, there were some things during the Trump years that were really good. And then January 6th happened. And even before January 6th, he had spent All of this time, like, fine, you lost, but you're hanging on. You're trying to come up with a way to maybe make it all right. Like, to me, I can forgive that. But then the fact that we've really spent the last three years sort of whining about losing an election, that's 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 what we want to do now. We're going to have. Denying the reality. It's like, yeah, was the vote off a bit in one? Maybe. It's always going to be off a vote here, handful of votes there. Um, to me, it defies logic that there was enough wide-scale fraud to make a difference in the election. He knows this. He just know he knows yeah. how to play the hits. Yeah. His crowd loves it. We'll see if Chris Christie being out makes a difference. I'm skeptical. 449, traffic and weather next. And when we come back... What is the price of trauma on a plane? If you were on that Alaska Airlines plane, how much money should you get? Should you get anything? We'll talk about it when we come back on CCL. So you're on the Alaska Airlines flight. A door plug blows out. Flight 1282. Imagine, right? The horror. You think you're going to die. How much is your trauma worth? This is America. You're in a horrible, horrible incident. Immediately, you think, am I going to be okay? Am I going to have the courage to fly again? And how much money am I going to wring out of these jerks who screwed this up? Rightfully so. I, as somebody scared of planes, rightfully so. So it's I Boeing, though, right? Boeing, Boeing has most of the blame here. Alaska has offered... Uh, full refund from the aborted flight. Hey! <laughs> and uh, 1500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. I Good start. It's a good start. I think 10,000. It's got to be 10,000. At least. It's not millions. The door flew out. They didn't, like, set your head on fire. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.